Welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, business, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Today we have an interview that Rebecca conducted with Jeff Hurst while visiting his studio in Chicago to learn about carborundum printing and other techniques. Topics covered include Jeff's work and setting up a print studio. Without further ado, here's Rebecca Kroll. Um, welcome to the podcast. I'm in the studio with Jeff Hurst in Chicago. And Jeff and I have known each other a few years. Um, we did a little short exchange with a cold wax class for a, an encaustic class. I don't know when that was, a few years ago. Yeah, probably maybe six or seven. Uh, quite a like while that. ago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we recently um, taught together, uh, same week, not same class, but same week in at Cullowee Mountain Arts in North Carolina in June. And so, Jeff, you were teaching a, a printmaking class right. there. yeah. And it was fascinating, and I kept poking my head in, and I think it kind of um, uh, got my interest back in learning mm -hmm. more about printmaking. Right, yeah. It was a mixed-media printmaking class, so more of an experimental class. And um, and then we did the tour of one another's classes, and mm -hmm. I saw what your class was doing, and then you came down and saw what my class yeah. was doing, and I think it, it kind of spurred some of your printmaking <laughs> Uh, past yes it did yeah. absolutely yeah. did um, so I, I've I've you know known about printmaking for a while I do have a press and I actually majored in printmaking for a while in college but I wanted a refresher basically and I wanted some uh -huh. I wanted to know about carborundum because when I was in Ireland I saw a lot of prints that were done with carborundum which is a grit Mm -hmm. that you attach to the surface of the plate. And so I'd fooled around with it on my own, and I, I realized I was doing it pretty much wrong. So anyway, um, uh -huh. uh, I asked Jeff if I could come here and uh, get some advice. So I've been here for a couple days. We have one more day to go. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a real treat for me, too, working with you. And um, Thank you. Uh, experimenting I guess it would be the the right word that to use for coming up with imagery and just seeing what you're making and and I kind of I'll throw my two cents in there as far right. as uh, what how to do something and then you're off and running right. so it seems to be working really well um, the carborundum print is as uh, you were saying is um, using basically a metal shaving to glue it, glue that metal shaving or particles to the a panel or a board or, in our case, plexiglass, just so it's uh, it holds ink. So it gives you really dark, super rich dark prints, and I think that's something that both you and I are both attracted to. Right. Yeah, that rich black. Yeah, and you're you're definitely getting those this week. So it's um, it goes back to like. Uh, Antonio Tabiez did some work uh, mm -hmm. in the early 60s using carborundum. And oh, was he the first one that you were aware of that was using it? Uh, the first really big name artist. There were oh. some other artists. I, I know, I don't think he f discovered the process, but as far as um, a well-known artist using it, that mm. was kind of, he put it on the map. Yeah. And... Uh, and then a lot of people in Europe are using carborundum, particularly in Ireland. Like yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah. 
so really got me interested in it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's interesting that we're printing these prints that you may show in Ireland and right. Carborundum. So right. I got a little exhibit coming up in um, at Ballin Glen Arts Foundation in Bally Castle. When I go just in a few weeks, I'm going back there, and the exhibit opens September 30th in the gallery at Ballin Glen, and I. I may show a few that I've done here because uh-huh. they're working out for me. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah, I'd, I'd um, like to talk a little bit about your setup and your studio here. And I know that when people are starting out with printmaking, it can seem really daunting to get set up because obviously the the actual presses are enormous pieces of equipment and expensive. Uh, at least some of yours are. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But maybe that's not always necessary to get started. Right. It's uh, in different places around the country. There are a lot of different uh, avenues to approach printmaking. You can join a co-op in a lot of cities. Hmm. Um, I know in Chicago there may be oh four or five different places, including my studio, that you can go and and rent time and and become a member and and print there. Hmm. So. Um, that's one avenue then you can also buy a press um you don't have to spend a lot of money for a press you can you know five or six hundred bucks will buy you a really small press that you can make prints that are up to maybe 10 by 10 inches Mm -hmm. so you know it's a way to get started and then you can grow from there so you can also print things by hand the kind of printmaking that we're doing this week we need a press Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the amount of pressure to print a carborundum print, mm-hmm. it's yep. more than you could just burnish by hand. But so um, I like to approach printmaking as just buy some minimal equipment and go at it that way. You don't have to have this whole shop set up, but just start making prints, and um, and then you can add to that as you go along. So it doesn't have to be. A big layout of money up front. Right. I knew that I wanted to teach classes with printmaking, so I needed the right kind of equipment. But prior to this, I was burning silk screens with a with a light bulb that was hung <laughs> out in between a ladder, and um, would slide the screen underneath underneath the ladder. That and. Uh, and so it was a very primitive $25 exposure unit as opposed to a $2,500 exposure unit. So you right, can right. get by on, <laughs> on nickel and diming it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to the be The artists are price. usually pretty inventive people, so... Exactly. It fits right in, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and by the way, we, we are uh, just sitting in Jeff's studio, which is probably a little bit echoey, and there's some street noise and other things going on, because we are in the city of Chicago, so... <laughs> my, yeah, my studio, just for a little historic reference, it was a Singer sewing machine factory, and oh, then it really? became a uh, Spiegel Catalog Distribution Center. So it's about 500,000 square feet. It's a huge building, and there's a big street running right outside the the windows we're on the third floor but you can hear some trucks occasionally roaring by <laughs> so it's just gives uh, a little atmosphere yeah right exactly <laughs> one side has the chicago river it's uh on the south side near where the stockyards used to be so mm-hmm. it's a uh, it has an interesting past uh in the building and around the building so yeah. And describe describe your studio a little bit. I mean, I'm sitting here. I see the the Tackett press that we've been using for yeah. 
the monotypes and then um, the uh, carborundum printing. It's pretty major. There's a bunch of tables and you have a dark room set up in here. Right. So I set up a, a dark room um, because I have an exposure unit. I wanted to be able to expose screens and uh, solar plates, polymer plates during the, the day and not just have to work at night. So I uh, I set up an exposure unit where I could coat screens and so on. So it's pretty makeshift uh, situation. It's built out of two by fours and black plastic sheeting that uh, I've been in this studio for a, about a year and a half. So eventually I want to coat it, cover it with uh, sheetrock, but it works fine. I uh, Just to give you an idea of the makeshiftness of it, I uh, loaded all the two by fours about 82 by fours into my Honda Fit and <laughs> drove them over here and built the studio or built the dark room in a weekend. Mm. So, it, you know, you can make shift things pretty easily mm -hmm. and it still works great. Um, so I've got have the dark room. Then I also paint in my studios. So it's kind of split between painting and printmaking. Um, it's interesting because that's kind of the way my work goes as well. So it's reflective of my work and my mm -hmm. the process that I take towards work and thinking about how I make work. Yeah, that's one of the things that interests me is that you have two different operations going on in here. And so you, you work with encaustic as well as printmaking. And I know there are places where the two intersect. Uh, probably other in other ways they're very different but mm -hmm. maybe say a few words about that right well encaustic and on its own is somewhat process driven um it's uh so that's one of the reasons i was attracted to it initially um it has that uh it's either divided sort of into two camps either the luminosity camp or the material camp mm. so initially i was interested in more of the materiality of the the wax. Mm -hmm. um, people like Jasper Johns, where the wax had a real um, presence, mm -hmm. and I like that. It's almost sculptural in a way. And uh, so I've been painting with it for about 20 years. And then I also teach some classes where um, I use incorporate wax and printmaking together. One of them is a class or it's a process that I invented in about 2005. Um, and what it is is silk screening onto encaustic. So I was interested in how I could get a more graphic image onto encaustic that's actually oil paint as opposed to a transfer. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, you can do a transfer toner, you know, kind of thing. And I was interested in more of drawing with the screens so the screens are almost another drawing tool or a paintbrush it's mm. an extension of your arm mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I experimented with that for a long time and tried to use metal mesh and actual printing with encaustic and it didn't work and so I um, I came to the uh, conclusion that I could use or discovery that I could use um, uh, oil paint in a alternate form and um, silk screen that onto the encaustic and then fuse that it becomes encapsulated into the wax so i use yeah, that in my really work beautiful thank you yeah thank you yeah so, there's a it gives this interesting interaction between the the soft encaustic layers and that 
there's something definite in there. There's a photograph or something. Right. So the and I didn't want the photograph to be too apparent. I right. Put, they're very abstracted yeah. and manipulated, so yeah. you can't really tell what you're seeing. But yeah. It's kind of it's, a fragment of yeah. something. It's yeah. kind of goes back to really what Rauschenberg was doing uh-huh. in the 1960s and somewhat Andy Warhol when they were silk screening onto paintings uh-huh. and uh-huh. using photographic imagery. I'm more interested in Rauschenberg, but how he was using photos in his paintings and there's kind of a foil against the rest of the painting. Right. So that's what my interest was, how graphic can play against organic. Right, um, that's definitely happening, yeah. you know, in your work. It's just, there's also some pretty hard edges in terms of lines and things that you put yeah. in, uh, played off against these more atmospheric right. areas. So, um, yeah, what is your uh, your website? People could see these paintings. It's uh, com. J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-H-I-R-S-T.com. Okay. That wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find Rebecca Kroll on Facebook. Make sure to check out www.coldwaxbook.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Until then... Embrace your own creative space. Messy or otherwise. Thank you. Thank you.